What's your dream? What's your goal? What's your motivation? What's important to you? What's your passion? What can you do to change the world? This is What's Involved. Conversations with thought leaders and change makers from around the world. Hear stories of hope and inspiration to help motivate people like you to live your life, find your passion, and live your dream. Together, we can all bring positive change to our world. Now, here's your host, David Watts. And once more, there's what's involved. And you know, I love having special guests on and guests from all around the world, in fact. Well, such a guest is uh, the lady I'm going to be chatting to now. Who is she? Uh, her name is Kim Sorrell. Hello, Kim. Hello. How are you, David? Good. Did I get the, did I get the surname right? Because it's always important. Sorrell. Sorrell. You see, I knew, yes. it was, I knew it was somewhere around there. Kim Sorrell. Now, um, Kim approached me and said, hey, what do you think about me being on your show? And I thought, well, let me have a look and see what uh, Kim does. And she does a lot. Okay, that, that I can tell you right now. She does a lot. So what we're going to do is uh, we're going to just dive straight into it. And I'm going to say, Kim, tell me a little bit about yourself. Tell me a bit about your background, uh, you know, where you came from and how you ended up doing as much as you do now. <laughs> well, I was born into an entrepreneurial family. My father was an entrepreneur, so I started my first business right out of high school. And I have been in business for years. I just actually recently sold my last business. And so I'm going into a whole new phase of life. I run a nonprofit organization working in some of the poorest areas of the world. I've coached for 25 years. I've got kids and grandkids. And I um, took a journey to learn about the true meaning of love. And uh, that's my life. Now, that is fascinating, but let's, let's talk a little bit more um, because you've got two books out as far as I know. Um, the one that I want us to talk about today is called Love Is, a year-long experiment of living out, 1 Corinthians 13, love. So what made you decide to, to get into this book? I mean, it's your second book, if I'm not uh, mistaken. Right. Yes, it is my second book. I was diagnosed with breast cancer a few years ago. And four months later, my husband was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and he passed away just six weeks after that. And going through that just made me question the real meaning of love, the true meaning of love, because it's not like you go to a bookstore and there's a manual on love or a love for dummies. We just kind of learn love from our parents, from people around us. And, and the funny thing is that everything that we learn about love isn't necessarily really love and things that are done in the name of love aren't always really love. So I decided I would dedicate a full year to figuring out the, the true meaning of love. Okay. And, and how did that journey start off with you? This was after your husband passed away and you said, okay, here we go. I'm going to do a year figuring it out. But how did you decide on what this year of figuring out love would be about and would look like? Well, I wasn't quite sure how to go into it. And then there's this beautiful 2000 year old poem that you hear often and kind of 
people's eyes can kind of glaze over sometimes because here it's, it's just heard so often, but love is patient. Love is kind, does not envy, does not boast, et cetera. And I thought, well, that's a good roadmap. If I start there, then I can take one word a month and figure out what is love that is patient? What is love that is kind? There are actually 14 words and phrases in that poem. And so it took me a bit longer than a year. But what I figured out, David, is that once you put love is or love isn't in front of anything, it totally changes the meaning. And I happen to be in Haiti um, most of the time when I was working on this, when I was working on finding love. Okay, now, I mean, sure, you know, uh, Haiti is uh, not the kind of place you would necessarily go for for love, um, particularly if I understand the current political situation there, and uh, it's, it's a dangerous place to be, isn't it? Uh, it certainly can be, and right now more dangerous than sometimes. Kind of goes in waves with Haiti. Unfortunately, the government has had its issues over the years and uh, there's only so many police officers. There's only so much um, crime prevention and there's a whole lot of poverty, a whole lot of hungry people. And uh, there are things that people do to keep their families alive. So it, it can be a dangerous place. I think like anywhere in the world, you just have to be smart about where you go and what you do and you can stay safe. Yeah, listen, you're talking to South African. Yeah, we know all about uh, places that aren't 100% safe. But anyway, so, so Kim, you spent a lot of time in, in, in Haiti. Talk to me a little bit um, along this journey. Uh, you, you've mentioned that you were in, in Haiti. What was something that surprised you about this whole concept of love? Well, every month, was a surprise for me. And it took the entire month to figure things out. But right out of the gates, the love is patient. The very first thing I thought I knew what patience was. I started chapter in my book with what I think it is. And I'm, you know what patience is. People know what patience is. You're not honking your horn if you're stuck in traffic or you're not stomping your foot because you're ready to go and they're not ready to go. That's patience. But what I figured out is love is patient, is way different than that. I, first of all, believe you're supposed to love everybody. And so if you love the person you're with, then you love that this patient would say that this moment right here, right now is the most important moment of your life. What's in the past is in the past. What's in the future is yet to come. This is the moment. This is a moment that will come and go with or without you. And if you love the person you're with, then you give them all of you. You give them your full attention. I used to think I was the greatest multitasker in the history of the world. I could be deep in conversation, be thinking about a meeting I have later, be thinking about what I need to stop and pick up on the way home from the grocery store and still be fully engaged. And I found out that's just not true. I need to be focused and really listen so that I really hear what the person is saying what the person I love is saying. It's so often easy to be distracted or to think, oh, I got to go. I really don't want to be in this conversation or, or be thinking ahead of what your rebuttal is going to be, what you're going to say next, rather than really listening 
to the words, the words that are being told to you. And love that is patient would say, stop and focus and listen and be fully present in the moment. And I'm glad you mentioned that because, you know, these days, and I've noticed uh, over the last couple of years, and particularly when uh, COVID reared its ugly head, is that I'd noticed even before then, though, there was this change in people in general. Um, people seem to be becoming more conscious, more aware. And, uh, you know, the, the whole idea, and particularly in South Africa now, this, this idea of mindfulness and the mindful leader uh, became quite a, quite a big thing. And uh, I've said for years, you know, we've got two ears and one mouth. Perhaps we should use them in that ratio uh, and, and spend some time really, really listening. So love is patient. I love that. I think it's brilliant. Uh, we're going to be back with uh, Kim Sorrell, uh, chatting to her and uh, finding out more about her journey. And of course, uh, that wonderful book, we'll find out where you can get hold of that as well as the other one in just a little bit. We'll be right back. This is What's Involved. So good to have you along with us. This is What's Involved. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. More next. And we're back. What's Involved That Is. My special guest is Kim Sorrell. She is, she's many things. She's, she's a writer. She's a coach. She's a mom. She's a, an explorer. What else can we say? So just before the break, uh, you got to the first part there, Kim, where, where we found out about uh, love is patient. Something else that you, that you learned along the way. Sure. Well, the very next one, love is kind. Um, I happen to be at a place that I love to go when I'm in Port-au-Prince. It's the home for sick children run by the Sisters of Charity, Mother Teresa's Order. And I love to go into the lower level of the building where there's just a sea of institutional cribs. And I like to just find a baby to just spend the day with and hold and cuddle and help change diapers and feed and whatever. And and so I went there and I saw this beautiful baby laying in this pink sleeper. And I walked over to the crib. And as uh, the time went by, the story unfolded. This little baby was only three weeks old and gorgeous. And his name was Christopher. And standing at the end of the crib was his grandmother. And I got to know her quite well. So the story is that uh, Natalie, Christopher's grandma, Christopher's mom was Natalie's only child. And she died shortly after giving birth to Christopher on the dirt floor of their one room house. And Natalie thought that Christopher's inability to keep milk in his stomach was because it wasn't his mom's. But as time went by, he became less and less interested in the bottle and more and more intent on sleeping. So Natalie knew something was wrong. So she held Christopher close on the several mile walk to the sisters to get him the help that he needed. And the best that they could tell was he must have some sort of an obstruction. And so surgery would be required. But we're in Haiti where there are few doctors and fewer hospitals. And fortunately, we were able to find a doctor who was willing to do the surgery. But it was a ways away. And Port-au-Prince is a city with 2 million people and infrastructure for 40,000. So getting anywhere in the city takes time. Well, at one moment during the day, 
we all panicked because Christopher stopped breathing. And we looked around and noticed that there was a kink in his oxygen tube. And we unkinked the tube and he started breathing again. And, and so did we. So it was obvious that Christopher needed oxygen to live. And he also needed surgery to live. So he needed a portable oxygen tank to take him from the home for sick children to the hospital for surgery. So I called everyone I knew in Port-au-Prince and some people couldn't even recommend a place to go for one. Some people went and looked for one, but nobody could find a portable oxygen tank in a city with 2 million people. So poor Natalie had to make the decision on what to do. And of course, surgery was Christopher's only hope. So they pulled the van up as close as they could to the door and they kept the engine running. And in just this hurry, one of the sisters grabbed his IV and another sister scooped up Christopher and they ran to the door and out the door. And I turned around and Natalie was still standing there. And I said, Natalie, Natalie, go, go. And she pointed down at her feet and they were bare. And she knew they, she would not be allowed in the hospital with bare feet. So I quick whipped off my sandals and I put them in one hand and I grabbed her by the arm and I ran to the door and she hopped in the van just as it was pulling away. And that's when I understood what love that is kind is. Love that is kind would do that. Like, of course I gave her my sandals. Anybody would give their sandals away. I would go barefoot the rest of my life if it meant that Natalie could hold Christopher. I gave my sandals away knowing I'd never see Natalie again, knowing I'd never see my, my sandals again. Love that is kind is no expectation love. It's doing kind things, saying kind things, showing kindness with zero expectation of getting anything in return. Not a thank you, not a casserole, not a, I went to her daughter's wedding. Where is she at mine? None of that. As soon as you expect something for something that's no longer love, love that is kind is kind, period. But I'll tell you, David, what Natalie gave me that day, allowing me to share that day with her and with her precious, precious grandbaby, I will never stop loving Christopher. I'll never stop loving Natalie. That day was incredible. And for her to share it with me was a gift that was so much greater than a pair of sandals. And, you know, that is that is an amazing thing. And particularly, you know, in today's times, today's life, we're so busy. And, you know, it, it's easy to throw around the word love. And it's easy to talk about unconditional love. But it's not that easy to practice. And I, and I love the, the, the fact that you say that it is kind and it's this giving without any expectation. Uh, that is a big thing, though. And, and wow, to, to learn a lesson like that in Haiti must have been uh, oh, definitely an, an eye-opener for you. Now, as your journey continued, Kim, what other sorts of, of revelations did you come across? Well, one of the toughest ones for me, one of the ones that I dreaded was, says, love keeps no record of wrongs. And I thought, well, you know, you hear forgive and forget when you might forgive, but forgetting is a whole different story. You know, you don't forget the things that happen to you. So the month that I was working on that, I was asked by some men in the United States to travel with them out into the countryside of Haiti to see a water project that I was working on. So I took two Haitian 
friends with me who also happen to be men to translate and help with the project. And we got to where we were staying and it was just a very small building with two rooms, four twin size beds in each room. And it was surrounded by a cement wall. And the head guy of the American guys pulled me aside. Kim, Kim, can I talk to you? I said, sure. And he said, did you see the rooms? And I'm thinking, buddy, there's nothing else to see. There's, there's nothing here. And then I thought, oh, he's thinking I'm going to want my own room. And there's only so much space. And so I'll just say, well, that's okay. I'll sleep outside. And he'll say, no, no, no. If anyone should sleep inside, it should be you. And I'll say, um, well, I don't mind if there's other people that are in my room. And he'll say, good, because there's only so much room. And so I thought it would all be settled. So I said, well, it's okay. I'll sleep outside. And he said, oh, good, good. Because we have men with us that would not want to have a woman sleeping in their room. And I'm thinking, what did I just get myself into? There are tarantulas and snakes and chupacabras and who knows what else is lurking in the bushes of Haiti. And I just committed to sleeping for five nights on the ground outside. So I was so afraid that something would crawl on me, bite me. You know, I'd lose a limb or have to be airlifted to Miami or, you know, get some sort of anti-venom or who knows what could possibly happen. So the first night I blew up an air mattress that we happened to bring along that held air for about an hour. And it was really loud. There were dogs barking and horns honking. And finally, 1 a.m. or so at that died down. And then voodoo drums started in the distance. And that continued for a couple hours. And finally, 4 a.m. or so, I was able to doze off and get some sleep. So the first night came and went without incident. All was well. The second night came. The dogs, the horns, my empty air mattress, sleeping on gravel, the voodoo drums. Finally, I'm sleeping, but I woke up because there was something on my leg. But I thought, oh, my word, what could it possibly be? I hope that I'm going to live through this. And so I slowly lifted my head and I slowly opened my eyes. And it was a chicken. There was a dang chicken on my leg. And at first I didn't know whether to be mad because this chicken interrupted my little sleep or be happy because it wasn't a tarantula or something much worse that it could be. So I shoot it away. And then the, the third night came and went and nothing happened. The fourth night came and again, you know, no air in my air mattress and the voodoo drums and the dogs and the horns and finally sleeping. And again, I woke up because there was something on my leg. So again, I was full of fear and I slowly lifted my head and I slowly opened my eyes. And again, it was the dang chicken. And again, I didn't know whether we mad or be happy. But that night we had chicken for dinner. So my last night was without incident. And at first I was really angry at these guys, David. I was thinking, boy, I hope my sons wouldn't treat a woman like this. I'm all about equality, but I am a human being. And we all could have slept in the room just fine. You know, it would have been okay. There was plenty of space to put our cots and air mattress in there. And so I was bitter. I was angry. And here I'm working on love doesn't keep record of wrongs. And then finally the light bulb went off. And, and love that doesn't keep record of wrongs doesn't forget the things that happens to us. But it changes the narrative. It changes the tone. Bitterness is something that only hurts us, right? It can hurt us physically, mentally. It can hurt us in every way. And quite often the person that you're angry with doesn't even know that you're bitter and angry. But love that doesn't keep record of wrongs 
just changes the tone and the narrative of the story. So instead of this horrible thing that these horrible men did to me, now it's just this funny thing that happened to me. And now I could literally sleep anywhere in the world and be perfectly comfortable. So that is love that doesn't keep record of wrongs. And I think that's wonderful, wonderful story as well. You know, I would have, I would have thought maybe you should have looked at it in the way that the chicken was keeping everything else away. Because if there was something, <laughs> if there was something nasty there, the chicken wouldn't have stayed. Um, <laughs> this is what's involved. My special guest is Kim Sorrell. We'll be back in just a bit. We'll be right back with more what's involved. David would love to hear from you. To leave a voice message, visit whatsinvolved.com and click drop me a voice note. And we're back with my guest, Kim Sorrell. She is the author of two books. The main one we're talking about uh, today is uh, a book called Love Is, a year-long experiment of living out 1 Corinthians 13 love. And we are talking all things love. Now, Kim, it's amazing and and your journey is amazing. and, And just the fact that you did it, because and, and I don't want to be indelicate here, but it's not as though you started this journey out as a, as a youngster just out of out of university or college. And, you you know, you, you, you sort of were like a lot of us when we we're younger. We're not scared to travel the world. You, you, you weren't a youngster, were you? <laughs> no, I was 47 when my husband passed away. And so, right. No, I was I was far from out of university. My kids were grown. I had grandchildren by then. And different ball game for sure. Well, I, I think it's wonderful. It's part of the thing that 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 inspired me and drew me to to having a chat to you because I thought you know it's going to take some dedication to to finding out and spending a year finding out what love actually means. And I mean, having one foot in in sort of United States, which is a first world country, and then the other in Haiti, it, it must have been it must have been a culture shock with a whole lot of things. And now we go back to those those gentlemen that were quite happy that you slept outside. Why, why do you think that was that? Do you think it's just part of, of, of that culture? And they were like, wow, thank you for not having to make us make tough decisions. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe they were fearful. You know, maybe they, most of them, if not all of them, I think was their very first time in Haiti. And uh, so they probably were out of their comfort zone and, and, didn't quite know how to behave or how to act. And uh, so that's what they chose to do is, is let me sleep outside. Um, that could be for sure. Yeah. Well then, then you know what that means. That means you can come and visit South Africa and have absolutely no problems. Um, Kim talking about things like that though, uh, that was fairly scary, but you've had a couple of other scary incidents along the way. Share one of those with me. Oh gosh. Well, I was chased by a motorcycle gang over the, the border and going from Haiti to the Dominican Republic. Uh, I was driving a truck with two of my friends from the United States. We were driving it from Haiti over to the Dominican. We had done a a project and we'd borrowed some tools and things from uh, my son in the Dominican Republic. And so at the border, the border is a kind of a scary place. And anytime I'd ever cross the border, both the Haitian Customs and Immigration and Dominican Customs and Immigration were located on the Dominican side and in the same building, just a few steps from each other. 
And I was always told, don't stop on the Haiti side. Don't stop on the Haiti side. And we get to the border and there's tons of people and people are waving us down, trying to get us to stop. And I'm like, no, you you don't stop. You don't stop. And it's all flooded. The whole area is flooded. And we went through the gate and got to the other side. And a man came up to us, a Dominican man who spoke English and said, you were supposed to stop on the other side and come to find out they changed the system. And sure enough, we were supposed to stop on the other side. Well, he negotiated um, motorcycle rides for us. We left one of our guys in our truck to watch the tools and things that we had in the back. And the other two of us each were on separate motorcycles. And this man, Luis, went with us also to go back over to the Haitian side through the water and get our passport stamped and come back over and get them stamped on the Dominican side. Well, when we got back over, the motorcycle drivers wanted more money than we had previously negotiated. And I was, I said, no, you know, we negotiated a price. You, you named the price. You said what you wanted. I agreed to it. So this is how much I'll give you. So I gave him the money and we went and got our passport stamped on the Dominican side and we're driving away and we left our guy in the back of the truck. And then Luis, the Dominican man jumped in the back of the truck as well And all of a sudden they're yelling, go, go faster, faster. We're like, what, what is going on? Well, we were being, we were having rocks the size of people's heads thrown at us and they were getting plummeted in the back and the truck was getting hit. And, and then there were motorcycles that were chasing us. And so my friend who was driving started driving like a madman. I think some of the curves we were up on two wheels He was like a race car driver driving as fast as he possibly could. And we drove and drove and drove. And finally, they stopped following us. I don't know what would have happened if they would have caught us. But we finally got through that. And then as our adrenaline was settling down a little bit, he said, what just happened? And I said, well, you know, we negotiated a price and then they wanted more money. And I I told him, no, I wouldn't give him more money. And and he said, "Uh, well, how much more money did they want? And then I was kind of embarrassed because um, it was only $5. And I, we risked our lives over $5. I, I had no idea that was going to happen, but I probably should have just given them the money. But I was working on love doesn't easily anger. And we had more experience on the route. And we were pulled over by pretend military and our passports demanded and I wouldn't give them. And, and I, we kept our cool during the whole process and during everything that we went through and love that doesn't easily anger makes so much sense, but it can be so hard to do. You know, it's so easy to get angry when people do things like throw rocks at you and chase you on motorcycles or give you a different price. Once you get over to the other side of the border it's easy to lose your cool. It's easy to, to be angry, but love would say, calm down and just relax and get through the moment. You know, anger gets your adrenaline flowing more and your blood pressure up and, and you pretty soon aren't even listening to the other person and the words they have to say, you're just angry and you just want to yell and shout and punch the wall or whatever you want to do. Well, if you can stay at a calmer level and think about loving the people that you're with and thinking about love, then the moment goes by 
in a, in a much better way. And so that was a, a big lesson to learn and a pretty dangerous lesson to learn, I have to say. Well, again, I am, I'm struck by uh, your, your sort of bravery and looking for the lessons in the midst of, of being chased uh, by a gang on motorcycles. Uh, but Kim, just, just in doing this, you know, as you, as you were talking about this, I thought, you know, as well, um, this concept of love is very closely aligned with gratitude because while we're talking, I, I sense in you this immense sense of gratitude for what you've been able to do so far. I think that's absolutely true. I mean, gratitude is such an important thing, right? Recognizing what we have, what we've been given, the gifts that we have, things that that we don't necessarily think about, things that we take for granted. And, and we take for granted people as well. And uh, people are what it's all about. Relationship is, is what it's all about. You know, the, the other stuff, the, the vacations, the cars, the houses, the everything else, that's all great. You know, that that's okay, but you wouldn't want that and have no relationships. You know, it's, it's all about people and people are all about love. And so it's interesting, David, what I learned is the sort of the overall thing. So each word, each phrase by itself is unique and, and it has a different aspect of love that is so important. But the overall thing about love is that it is complete freedom. When you are free to just love people, there's no judgment. There's no condemnation. There's no uh, trying to fix people. It allows people to just be who they are, live who they are. In the reality, we have no control over anyone but ourselves. You know, we like to think that we control people or, you know, we give some unsolicited advice or we think we're helping people out, but we don't have any control over anyone but us. And when all you do is love, all that other stuff goes out the window. And then you learn to appreciate people and be grateful for people for who they are. And it's a whole different level of gratitude that comes into play. It's, it's really a beautiful thing. Wonderful stuff. Uh, we are chatting to Kim Sorrell. She is my special guest right here on What's Involved. We'll be back in just a bit and we'll be wrapping it up with uh, Kim because I've, I still want to find out some more. Like, what is the meaning of love? What is love actually? We'll find out about that when we come back. It is What's Involved. Great to have your company. You're listening to What's Involved with David Watts. Have you been to our website? Check it out, www.whatsinvolved.com. And while you're there, click on the coffee mug icon and buy David a cup of coffee. He'll love it. And we're back. What's Involved? Wrapping it up with my guest, Kim Sorrell. So just before the break, Kim, uh, I said to you, uh, I wanted to ask you this question, though. So your journey in terms of, you know, your, your year or a little bit more that you spent learning about love, what conclusion did you come to? What is the meaning of love? Well, it's interesting. I think a lot of people think that love is an emotion uh, or a feeling like fear or excitement. But love is so much more than that. Love is walking and talking and living and breathing and doing. Love is, is who you can become. You can become love to others. And 
when you embody love, your whole world changes. The anger that you have, the, you know, little things that can happen in life or you get irritated by people because their personality doesn't really align with yours or even having conversations with someone who doesn't believe the same way you do in politics. You know, that's a big, big issue in the United States, Republicans and Democrats. And, and, but the truth of the matter is if people just stop and listen and just love people, just look at people as someone to, to love and, and care about it doesn't mean you have to hang out with everybody. It doesn't mean everyone's going to be your best friend, but it also means you don't have any enemies. There's, there's not a reason to have the animosity. There's not a reason to have hatred toward anybody or, or judgment toward anybody for anything. And so I think people would find out that if you just love, then you really listen, then you're not, uh, just imagining in your head, assuming what people are going to say because of what you think their politics are, or what you think their belief system is, or the family they were raised in, or the area that they live in, or the school they attend, or job that they have, or amount of money in the bank, or for any other reason. But you really listen and you find out that you really have more in common than you thought you did. And love just allows life to happen. It just is, is such an incredible thing to, to not prejudge, but, but strictly just love, become love, let, let it walk and talk and breathe within you. And it is. And you know what the, the, the strange part to me is, Kim, is that it is something that is so natural and so inbred, built into us. Uh, and yet we've, we've turned it into all sorts of strange, weird and wonderful things. And, and uh, there's been so much ego that's gotten in the way. But be, just before we talk a little bit more about the book and about what you do, um, one of the, the titles that I've seen attributed to you is World Changer. Now, the question is, do you believe that love can really change the world if we embrace love more? Absolutely. One, 100%. If everyone were to understand love, what love really is, and then live it, the world would absolutely be a different place. Uh, wars and anger and, and uh, pride and envy and coveting people's things. And just none of that would, would be a part of life. None of that would be a part of life. It, it changes, it changed me dramatically as, as an individual. And I thought I was a pretty decent person before this, but I learned so much. There were so many things that I was not doing right. And so I worked toward it. You know, I practiced love. I, I worked toward the things that I learned toward achieving the things that I learned, but absolutely every relationship would change. I think the divorce rate would go down the um, abuse rate would go down. Uh, every, everything that is bad in the world could change and be good. You know, I would tend to agree with you there. And that's one of the reasons I really wanted to have a chat to you because I believe um, your outlook, your teaching, your book is something that everybody should, uh, should have a read of. 
Uh, and I also think, you know, with more love in this world, there's going to be a whole lot less damaged people because that's basically what we want as human beings. We want to love and we want to be loved. Uh, so, Kim, hats off to you for, for doing what you've done. Let's talk a little bit about uh, there's Love Is is the book we're talking about, but you also wrote one, uh, Cry Until You Laugh, which was uh, also... You know, this was your your book that you wrote while you were going through the cancer journey uh, with yourself and your husband. Um, and I think that's also going to be an, an amazing, amazing book to read. Where can people get hold of Love Is? Kim, is it available on, on Amazon, on Kindle? Uh, it is. It's available on Amazon. It's available on Kindle. It's available at many, many booksellers online. It's available in some brick and mortar stores around the world. Um, so it's, it is pretty readily available. There's some other love is things out there, but uh, this is a dark blue cover with great big love is and white on it. And um, it's readily available. My name, Kim Sorrell, I'm literally the only Kim Sorrell spelled my way in the entire world because my name has way too many letters, two R's, two E's, two L's, so R-R-E-L-L-E. Uh, it's available on my website, kimsrell.com. I can be reached on social media if people have questions or want to reach out. I, I love hearing from people and um, I'm speaking as well. And so maybe sometime I'll have the opportunity to come and speak in South Africa. That would be That'd be wonderful. Oh, we'd certainly love that. And, uh, and I'm, you know, South Africa, very much like Haiti as well, I think could, could do with a little bit extra love at the moment. I noticed uh, one of your, your accolades you got is from uh, Jack Canfield, a co-author of that uh, best-selling series, Chicken Soup for the Soul. Uh, Jack said he absolutely loves this book. It's definitely Chicken Soup for the Soul. Uh, it goes and it goes on to say, do yourself a really big favor and read this book. So, Kim, the best place to for people to find out all about this, because I see you've got a love challenge as well. And I'd, I'd love to to know about that. All of that is available on your website, which is kimsorrell.com. And it's K-I-M-S-O-R-R-E-L-L-E.com, kimsorrell.com. Uh, there'll be obviously links uh, within the podcast and the show notes as well. So, Kim, I, what I like to ask people just uh, as we wrap up our interview and before I let them go, um, before I do let you go, what's next for Kim Sorrell? Well, I want to spread the word. I'm very passionate about the things that I learned about love and that it really can change the world. It can change people's lives for the better in so many ways. And so I'm doing more speaking and uh, getting out there and, and just trying to spread the word. I think my next book is going to be love is for kids. And so I'm excited to get going on that. And uh, who knows the life is an adventure. So I'm going to go where it takes me. Wonderful stuff. That wraps it up uh, for this edition of what's involved. My special guest, Kim Sorrell. Uh, author of uh, her latest book is called Love Is, a year-long experiment of living out 1 Corinthians 13 love. What a great book. What a great person. 
Kim, thank you so much. We wish you all the very, very best. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. There we go. As I said, wraps it up. Don't forget kimsorrell.com. Check it out. Uh, Until next time, look after yourselves. Take care. And thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to What's Involved. We hope this episode inspires you to find your passion and live your dream. Don't forget to rate, review, and share the podcast. And to see what's happening, what's going on, and what's coming. Follow What's Involved on Facebook and Twitter at What's Involved. Thanks again for listening.